Welcome to The Big Rich Show. This podcast will focus on conversations with friends and acquaintances within the four-wheel drive industry. Many of the people that I will be interviewing, you may know the name, you may know some of the history, but let's get in depth with these people and find out what truly makes them a four-wheel drive enthusiast. So now's the time to sit back, grab a cold one, and enjoy our conversation. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Why should you read Four Low Magazine? Because Four Low Magazine is about your lifestyle, the four-wheel drive adventure lifestyle that we all enjoy. Rock crawling, trail riding, event coverage, vehicle builds, and do-it-yourself tech all in a beautifully presented package. You won't find Four Low on the newsstand rack, so subscribe today and have it delivered to you. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are going to be interviewing none other than Creighton King now known as Mr. Grip Ties, but previously known in the rock crawling world as Mr. Maxis. So Creighton King, it's so great to have you on board here with Conversations with Big Rich and talking about the history of rock sports from your perspective yeah, and uh, rock crawling and trail wheeling and all that kind of stuff in general. Now known as Mr. Grip Lock Ties, you had the title as Mr. Maxis for a long time. Yeah, and, I'm still uh, that on Instagram though. I perfect. keep it just yeah. just for fun. There you yeah. go. And uh, I did talk to uh, to Brad Williams the other day, and he agreed to be to be interviewed at some point. But he said, "Get Creighton on first. So you know, <laughs> he can correct uh, all my stuff. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, not that. No, that was nothing like that. So anyway, Creighton, good to have you here. Let's uh, let's talk about the beginning. Where did uh, where did you grow up, and uh, how did you eventually get involved with uh, off road? So for me, I grew up in Utah in the Salt Lake Valley, and um, Jeeps are just always a part of our life. So my dad always wanted a Jeep, and I think he got a '78 uh, CJ7. He was trying to find a seven, so you know we could put mom and him in the front, and three kids along the back seat, and two behind that. So there were. Six kids. He always wanted a scrambler, but those were hard to find back in the day. Um, so we had that Jeep. Fun part in ninety in in eighty five. My dad started borrowing a car from my brother in law from his from his uh, brother in uh, just before Christmas, and Dad surprised us Christmas Day with a brand new CJ seven. I guess he had had it for about a month but he was hiding it from us. So that was our Christmas. His dad got a new Jeep. So brand new showroom floor. Um, it came with these crappy tires on it. And we thought we would just drive off and go four wheeling through a field and promptly got stuck uh, Christmas day, <laughs> sunk it up to the axles. And that's when we discovered we needed bigger tires, you know? So we had that Jeep and then in 86, they were going to quit making the, the CJ and uh, we didn't we didn't know what they were gonna have, and uh, my mom wanted a CJ seven too, so Dad bought an eighty six red, and it was uh, 
it was great. So growing up, we had two Jeeps. So mom and dad, six kids, two Jeeps, and we would travel across the country and we took two Jeeps. So, you know, Saturday afternoons or Sunday after church, we would go Jeeping. It was great. We got this map um, about all these trails along the Wasatch Front. And all these maps were published before all the greenies started shutting down all the trails. And so we looked at the map and we're like, look, we can ride along the ridgeline all the way from Logan clear to Provo on all these Jeep trails. And we would go to trail after trail after trail and they were all closed. And that's what really started getting me fired up about land use because these awesome trails, they were just arbitrarily closed. You know, I had bad knees and I, I couldn't hike them. So places you can't go closed up. So Jeeps were just a part of me young, you know, started me politically also at that younger age, um, trying to keep trails open. Um, Easter Jeep Safari to us every year was driving to Jeep Safari like the night, the night before. And we would uh, wake up in the campground there by the, by the river have the pancake boy scout breakfast and then find a trail to go on that was you know 10 years old at that point maybe younger nice and so camping and jeeping and jeep trails and getting stuck out in in the middle of uh nowhere and having to dig the jeep out and finding wood to put under it and uh it was just a great time with my dad and shooting guns and shooting guns and jeeps and you know airplanes came about that same time and it was just, it was great. I later went on a, uh, on an LDS mission to Florida. You know, before that I was really into Volkswagens. I had a Volkswagen boss with big speakers and those all got stolen and it was a major disappointment. So I came home for my mission and I didn't have a car. Jeep Safari was coming up. I came home in the middle of March and dad's like, well, you need to come to Jeep Safari. And I'm like, I don't have a car. And he says, look, if you buy a Jeep, I'll co-sign on it for you. So so I bought uh, we bought this Jeep right here. So it's a it's an '83 CJ7, 4.2 liter. Bought this and we were going to Jeep Safari. That was the plan with it. I got it the day before we went to Jeep Safari. You know, unfortunately, we didn't never made it to Moab that year. Are so. are you are you wearing a tie in that, or is that just the harness? No, I was wearing a suit and tie. This is on a. The reason I'm wearing that is because I I actually uh, proposed to my wife using this Jeep. So we were, it was in May, and um, I was just smitten with my wife, Tanya. So she's just awesome. And we would go Jeeping with our buddies up behind the V in Bountiful. We went up there, and there's this pretty field with, with flowers. And I took her up there, and I was like, hey, let's just go sit over here. And I proposed to her right there. and um, we took this picture. My buddy took was a photo, photo guy, and he's like, oh, let's take some pictures for your engagement. And so that's where awesome. this picture was taken. So I still have this Jeep. It's, it's on the side of my house. So this is the one that I ended up doing competition rock crawling with, is that Jeep. Okay. So I just – I had the Jeep. It was great. And, you know, one quick story. My We were going to go to that first Jeep safari, and my sister – was 16 and she had her friend in the back in the Jeep and they were driving down before us in my mom's red 86 CJ. And this is in 95. And uh, unfortunately just be- after green river and before the turnoff to Moab, uh, they ran off the road and, and uh, he was ejected and died. 
just a tragedy um, for our family. You know, the Jeeps are they're not the safest thing to drive, you know, necessarily, you know. They've just been a part of our family's life. Jeeps have always been. So, so uh, after we got married, I, I started, I ended up doing competition rock crawling. And the reason that happened is my wife was driving the Jeep to work one day and she got run off the road and hit a sign, which bent the spring. Well, if you're going to bend the spring, well, then you got to put a lift on it, right? If you're going to bend, <laughs> so you got to put a lift on it and then you got to do bigger tires. Well, then we had, um, I got involved with a Jeep SLC list. So you, uh, it was an email list, you know, Brett Davis and, you know, Carl Whitmore and Braden Kemp and the Utah guys were on there. Craig Stump. We started talking Jeeping and, um, you know, I ended up changing the transmission in my Jeep and making it better and building stuff in the garage and tore it all apart. Uh, before long it was frame off and, and, uh, I just kept working on it and it was fun. I read every magazine and, you know, I'd go to the store and there'd be, you know, JPs and four wheeler and just five or six magazines every month. And I just really dove into it. And it was, it was just fantastic. I loved, I loved working on my Jeep. I loved, I had Jeep friends. It was great. And I'm still friends with guys like, uh, you know, Brain Kemp and, and uh, Carl Whitmore, you know, their kids go to school with my kids. So, you know, we all live about the same area. So before long, uh, you know, ARCA started, you know, you, you saw some of the first videos and you're like, man, that's cool. Let's do that. And we would, before that we were, you know, going up, um, Pittsburgh Lake, uh, up American Fort Canyon, uh, Jeep trails in Utah, going to Moab, just trying to make my Jeep more capable, bouncing around in it, just me and my wife. And it was a lot of fun. And, um, rock crawling started happening and there was just no way I could afford to do ARCA. So, I mean, I so never, when did, what was I, the first event you went to go see? I never went to an ARCA event. Um, really? I never went to one. I just saw the videos. I would buy the videos and, and there was talk about, you know, let's do a Utah rock crawling series. So you rock was originally Utah. Well, oh, I know. Crawling. Yeah, oh, I know because, uh, I was the club president in Cedar City, Utah. There you go. Yeah. I was the club president in Cedar City, Utah. And a friend of mine who was the vice president was Dave Burling. Yeah. And we were approached by the Utah Summer Games uh-huh. about putting on an event series, you know, putting on an event, a rock crawling event there at Three Peaks as part of the Summer Games. Oh. Well, hmm. before that happened, um, I had been working with Ranch as the club and got him into Cedar City, had been helped him gather all of his judges and stuff. A lot of those guys out of St. George, um, Milt Thompson and a bunch of the people that helped yeah. him out. And I was friends with Craig Stump because he was in Delta yeah. with his club. And we, you know, a couple of times a year we'd get together and they'd wheel with us or we'd wheel with them down in Cedar or we'd go up there to, to the Delta area where they wheeled. And so I moved, I ended up moving back to California and got ready to start Cal rocks. Mm-hmm. And Dave ended up spotting for Craig stump. Mm-hmm. So when they were talking on the way to one of the ARCA events, I believe it was an ARCA event. This is from remembering this from the time. Of course, I'd have to talk to Craig and get all the, the details, but mm-hmm. They coined, they came up and started using the name, you know, they 
Craig says, well, let's start an event series. And he did. And Dave helped him out a little bit to start with. And then Dave moved off to Florida or something. I forget what all the whole thing was, but Craig continued with uh, UROC. And yeah, it was Utah, Mm -hmm. the Utah Association. Exactly. We we talked about a lot of it on the Jeep SLC list. And we would get together at these sandwich places and a whole bunch of Jeeps would show up for lunch. And and, uh, I was at one of those when a tornado tore down our building in Salt Lake. So Jeeps saved my life. They really did. So I was taking a communications class at the Salt Lake Community College at the time, and we needed to create forms and communication stuff. So I actually created, I wrote up the rules and scorecards and entry forms and created all these forms to start up UROC um, as a college project. And then I had to test out the forms. So we put on the first UROC unofficial event at um, Mini Moab, which is on the uh, this the west side of Utah Lake. And there were about 10 of us there, and we had five or six judges, and we set up all these cones. But we couldn't afford cones. They're actually expensive. So I got those little flags that identify where you put a sprinkler. Yep. I got that and a little piece of foam, and I stuck it in it, and those were the cones. And we laid out the courses, and then we all had our score sheets, and – you know, I adjusted the score sheets as all part of the college, college program. And so when they had the first official event, I sent all that over to uh, to Craig and and they they published it so and, and used it. And uh, when they had that first competition in Cedar City, that was the first competition I'd ever been to. I'd never was, been to one. Was that was the first event there or down in Snow Canyon? It was in it was at uh, is it Three Peaks? Was it? Yeah, it was in Three Peaks, and Ranch com- Ranch came and competed in it, and I beat Ranch by twelve okay. points. Yeah, so it was great. That's that's my one claim to fame. Is I- so from what I remember, that was you know that was our first one. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, there are a lot of guys. I drove my Jeep there, got a hotel room. I took off uh, my front bumper, uh, the doors, the top, the rear tire spare carrier. Um, and left it all in the hotel room and drove out <laughs> three peaks. And um, it was, it was great. We competed. And then I realized, then I sent the engine through the radiator on day two, had to found a trailer to tow it home. <laughs> <laughs> but I drove my Jeep to most events for the first, for the first couple of years. So wow. I drove it to Farmington. I drove it to, uh, I drove to the super crawl. So um, I drove it to uh, Vernal. You know, we had events there, but because I, you know, I was a college student, I didn't have money to be doing this. I didn't have a truck to pull stuff. And you now Brett Davis was my spotter, and he was, uh, you know, he had a truck and a trailer, so that's how he became my spotter. And plus, he could pull that's, really. That's that's good to have in a spotter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he was uh, he was great. You know, we I remember that first one we were dropping off and and uh climbing something and he was the the spotter strap ran through the front onto the ground so he ran out through the windshield reached down to grab the strap and pulled it back up so he didn't have to touch the ground during a spotter ride yeah during a spotter ride yeah because it was you know he had the points advantage for doing it so right yeah it was <laughs> that was fun that was that was and then i was hooked at that point which you know uh i quit golf you know 
<laughs> that's that's a good thing. My daughter is now in the high school um, uh, golf team, so I'm having to play more of it. So awesome. That's good. That's a good good. That's a good thing to do with uh, with kids for sure. Yeah. One thing I wanted to cover was sponsorship. So sure. this is this is my Jeep right here. I get the I had a stout appliance and carpet on here in a magnet panel. At the time, I worked at a wholesale floor covering place. At the wholesale floor covering place, I knew a lot of the Ogden's carpet outlets and and carpet places. So entry fees were about 300 bucks so if i could get 500 dollars, i was really set so i would go to i'd talk to the local carpet places and get the sponsorship for like 500 bucks and i would take care of their signs and the graphics put on the car then i would print out sheets i print out you know a sheet of coupon whatever their logo with you know a, a coupon code on there uh you know you rock or whatever so they would go in and they people would buy carpet. They got sales. So once I started doing that, I always had a, a sponsor from a carpet place. So, you know, I knew that I'd never get, you know, big money. But if I could cover my expenses, it was great. And, uh, you know, eventually I got, uh, I got some tires from Goodyear. Then uh, Jeff Cummings from um bf goodrich picked me up but i got a set of bf goodrich tires the next season and that was pretty cool and then by then my stock body cj wasn't competitive anymore and i knew that i wasn't gonna be picked up again by bf goodrich so i was looking for additional tire companies and that's uh, about time for the maxis deal that came around so and how did you Brad said something, but how did you fall into into getting the whole, you know, Maxis thing going? So, um, Craig Stump, I talked. To, I was talking to Craig. We used to talk all the time, and he had been at SEMA and he had approached Maxis, but they were looking to get on some cars, and so they had. There was me and Chris Hawley that had. He had a a, a Bronco. And so Max just sponsored us and it was pretty big. I got 10 sets of tires and 750 bucks and my entry fees paid for. It was a pretty sweet deal. And um, so they said, well, what about, you know, contingency? So I suggested, I said, well, you know, the top guys right now is BF Goodrich and Goodyear. So if you want people to run your stuff, you need to have a contingency that pays not just the top two or three, so I got them to pay through the top 10, which were good for me because <laughs> I was close to that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at the time we were getting like 50 cars, you know, and there was one class. So that was, that was pretty big. What I did is I, I would run the tires and I would run them in and I'd sit there and do burnouts with them and started trying to grind it off the leading edge and with my flap wheel and uh, I'd run them. And then I made a deal with, guys like Brain Kemp and uh, Carl and the other guys to, to run my takeoffs. So, and the deal was, is you run my takeoffs and I'll give them to you, but you owe me half the contingency. So I don't think Brad knows this, but you know, I was under contract. So it's like, Hey, I'll give you a set of tires. You give me half the contingency. And so it was pretty sweet. Cause I remember Braden or Carl, one of the guys came in top five 
and uh, I got a thousand bucks out of it. So it was great for me. And so I, I picked up other guys and, you know, two or three other guys doing that. Then Craig was, Craig was out. He sold to Mark and Mike and, and those guys. And so Craig wanted to be competing and Craig was wanted to put together the, the rock stars. So I helped him with that. Like we printed out these, uh, you know, these big sponsor books and we wanted it to be really cool. Cause when you go to SEMA, you know, everybody hands out all these, you know, paper books and, most of the time they go in the trash. They really do. They, the guys don't want to take them home. So we wanted to make something so epic that nobody would throw it away. And I think Brad had this in his office for years and years. So I got a, I made them. And so it was a, a metal clip. And, and then the front cover was um, slate tile, like a 12 by 12 slate tile. We cut it down and we had the Rockstars logo water jetted into the top. And then it was all in this welded thing. You'd flip it over and it was massive. I think we only made 20 of them or something. With the Craig, amount of weight that they must have been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were heavy. You needed to and, bring a pack mule. <laughs> yeah. So and Craig carried them around and, um, you know, he got us eating e-lockers and a bunch of, a bunch of other sponsors. And, you know, back then we all thought we were going to be the next NASCAR, right? You know. Right. So, um, you know, this is going to be the biggest thing ever. Yeah, it wasn't. It was awesome. I love it, but you know, it's not going to be NASCAR. It took us a while to realize that, but I still had a f- fantastic time. So we put together that team, and I kind of I kept grabbing guys with maxes for for tires, and we put a bunch of guys on the tires. And um, at the time, my wife and I were trying to have kids, and we were unable to have kids, and we were going to uh, adopt. At the end of the year, I looked at how much sponsorship money had. And I needed to, I need 10 grand to adopt. And I'm like, you know, what's more important? And so I, I told Brad Williams, I said, look, I can't, you know, I need 15 grand if I'm going to do this. Cause that was right when they were going to have all these different series and you run all over. And without that, I can't do it. I really need to concentrate on my family. And uh, I was working at, as an accountant at the life insurance place at the time, my last year, last couple months of college. And, I said, look, I'll, you know, I, I can't do it. Brad's like, well, we need you. You know, will you work for us? And I said, well, I mean, sales? I said, I guess I could do sales. I've done sales. And he goes, no, we need a marketing guy. And at the time, Mike Farmer was doing stuff for the motorcycle department. Brad wanted somebody who knew rock crawling, and, and that was and that was me. And, and uh, we tried to do a deal and couldn't get it done it's with uh, paperwork. You know, this rich. I mean, it's tough to get things through corporate. Um, I started going to events with Craig as Craig spotter in, in rock crawling. And we were kind of building up the rock star name and Brad Williams would come and I'd get the crowd all hyped up and throw out t-shirts and, you know, promote Maxis at the events. And Brad thought I was doing a great job. And eventually we, we got a contract done. It took way longer than I thought I'd ended up quitting my accounting job because it sucked. Then I, rebuilt an airplane for a while and I got a job with Ferguson selling plumbing. I was waiting till that contract with Maxis was done and the money was in the bank. And that was the day I quit the same day they offered me to run my own store for Ferguson. And uh, oh. I went to, I, I got the truck on a Monday and I took it to wrap place and they got done on Thursday. 
And the very first event I showed up to as Mr. Max's was your event in Congress, Arizona. And it rained. And, uh, <laughs> and it rained. And Bob Rogie uh, slid in the mud and tore up his chest. You know? <laughs> oh, that was in Globe, Arizona. Oh, Globe. Yeah, not Congress. Yeah. Globe. Yeah, yeah that's, when, that's when everybody got buried. But we uh -huh. had you closest to the, to the spectator entrance and yeah. to get out. Yeah, I had a pretty, I I had a pretty good spot there. I didn't get stuck. I mean, that truck was awesome. You know, it was everybody just, everybody else got stuck. We I think we spent all Sunday night and into Monday morning getting people out of that parking lot. Yeah, because I was I was I didn't have a problem, and and I bailed on you. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. It's all good. We needed you to move so that we could tow everybody else out without yeah. running India because that, that parking lot up there, it was all fill. And while mm -hmm. it felt really secure with the like nine inches of rain, we got that Friday, not that Friday, it wasn't so secure. It yeah. softened up quite a bit. That was my first event as Mr. Max's. It was, it was pretty cool. So that was quite the event. And then yeah, uh, one, of the, one of the events I remember you coming up to, you came all the way up to Goldendale, Washington. Mm -hmm. That was a long haul for you. Well, that was, you know, closer. I was doing about uh, 50,000 miles a year, 40 to 50,000 miles a year on the truck. I would run, I remember times when, when we were doing the Nopi Drift events where I would go to California. I remember one time I went to California, San Diego for a torque event, went to Wall, New Jersey, and then I went back, I think, to Goldendale. And I went back to Washington and then I went somewhere back East to Crandon or something. We originally were just going to do rock crawling events, um, but we were trying to fill out the schedule and, and it just continued to grow and grow. I was doing, you know, the whole country and doing 40 plus events a year, you know, for, for 10 years. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and a lot of miles and uh, was a financial disaster in the end, you know, fuel prices were going up and, you know, that's right when Katrina hit. And you know, I originally thought fuel was going to be a buck 56 and it was soon $5. And it just created a big, a big hole that was tough to get out of. It was such a great kind of rock crawling family and race family that I had, you know, it was like everywhere you showed up, you know, you had friends. Some of them, you just had friends because they thought they could get something out of you. There were some real fake sponsor friend people, you know, when you could see it happening, you know, you can see guys that, you know, in the early days, Facebook that friend you and immediately hit you up for sponsorship. And it's like, ah, uh, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, hey, that's, that was my job is to field sponsorship stuff. And we put together some, you know, some really big deals, uh, you know, picking up guys like Johnny Greaves or, or uh, Brian Deegan, um, you know, some of the, the short course stuff was, was big, you know, and in rock sports, when I'm picking up Shannon Campbell. I mean, that was, that was pretty epic. You know, Shannon Campbell and, 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 and really growing. And one thing that, that I'd like to share one story was, um, it's kind of my first, it was that first kind of half year I was with Max's. So we were at a race in three peak in three peaks down there in Cedar city. And it was a U rock event and, uh, Dean Bullock won the event. And um, it was the first time that um, one of our guys got on the podium. 
Brad Williams was there and, and Jeff Cummings was there from BF Goodrich and, and uh, Dean Bullock got up there and he said, you know, we're, we're the best and we're not some orange wannabe tire company is the way he said it. That orange, that orange wannabe tire company. And I looked at Brad and, and Brad Williams, you could just see he was fired up. That was the moment that I really think that Brad decided that we were going to dominate rock sports because we, it, it was uh, it was a bad move on Dean Bullock's part to say that because, you know, after that, we really started growing, you know, and there was a time when, you know, Maxis was, you know, we were clearing the podiums. We were clearing the podiums and we had, you know, the top guys and the Bruce Zellers and, and, uh, you know, we never got Tracy Jordan. Um, but we were, we were winning a lot of races and, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. It was kind of our thing to lose. Sad that I think Maxis has, has fallen off somewhat in their, in their resolve. I mean, we need another orange wannabe tire company, you know, moment, but, uh, you know, I'm no longer with Maxis and they can do what they want, but we had a, we had a great, a great run and it was really cool to develop tires. You know, we were playing with compounds and, you know, the Trepador tire and we came out with that and, uh, trying to get the right sizes and it was it was it was really cool you know so in those early days it was they were creepy crawlers right yeah the first ones i had were the mudzillas wow so, yeah i had the mudzillas those were pretty cool but they looked a, a lot like the the mickey thompson and so they were kind of confusing and whether the mudzilla or the mickey thompson came out first um you know, if you talk to Mickey Thompson, they say one thing, but uh, evidence shows something else. Mozilla was out first. Mickey Thompson copied it, and then, you know, they threw a hissy fit about it because we hadn't been in the U.S. market with that tire yet, and, uh, you know, they developed the Creepy Crawler. So, and the Creepy was, uh, it was a great tire, you know, especially you needed to wear it in a little bit like any like any rock crawling tire. And then we played with a lot of compounds, and, uh, you know, I remember doing tire tests with, you know, multiple compounds and trying to find the ones that would really stick and, and do well. And, and I think we, we really had it, you know, now the Trepador is, you know, hashtag Trepadors are made for winning, you know, that's what they, they do. They've got a tough sidewall and it's a great tire. And, you know, I'm proud to have, you know, been part of that development because it's, it's an awesome tire, you know, BF Goodrich, you know, their red label, you know, they had the bigger names, uh, a lot of them, you know, they had, they had the Tracy Jordans and they had the Shannon Campbells and they had a lot of those guys, you know, uh, sorry, Nate, I, or Jeff, I don't think it's a superior product. I think the BF Goodrich red label just had the right names on it. You know, it's a great tire if you want to poke a whole rock through the side of it, but it's, uh, you know, and if you have the right condition where it's just, you know, straight up with one wall, sometimes it could be a little better than the Trepador, but you add some, you know, some other conditions in there and, and the Trepador was clearly superior. So as, you know, as a course the, designer, yeah. as a course designer, having done this now for 20 years, I get a chance to see how different tires perform on buggies nowadays that are very similar. You know, most of the unlimited rigs out there are really, really close. You know, a lot of it is because Jesse Haynes has been building most of them. Yeah. And, you know, he runs the treps and then, You've got, uh, you know, Cody and, and Jeff McKinley and others that are running the BFGs. And 
I actually feel I can set a course to favor one tire or another. Yeah. Because there are characteristics that, that the tires perform better at or don't perform better at. My job as a course designer is to make sure that everything's overall at the end of the day, a level playing field, whether yeah. it's a way a vehicle is built, how much experience somebody has or how, what their equipment is like. It's interesting to do that. And then at the end of an event, look back on it and say, yep, I knew that the Maxis would, would outperform there, but you know, BFG had a more of an advantage over here. I like to think that it's pretty close now Mm -hmm. setting that because of the way the scores go. Nobody is blowing anybody out. You know, of course, Tracy Jordan probably is, I'd, I'd say hands down, probably the, the best competitive rock crawler ever. And it's not because he was on BFGs. It was BFG had the wins because he was on them is right. what I believe. You know, every time he comes back out of retirement, yeah, he dominates. He's, know, awesome. Cody, He's an awesome driver. He really is. Yeah. Cody, Cody gate was giving trace or uh, giving um, Jesse a hard time one day. And he goes, yeah, get ready to get beat to Jesse online, you know? Yeah. And uh, Jesse came back, goes, why is Tracy coming out of retirement? <laughs> but you know the uh, guys you know guys like Tracy and Joshim and and you know those guys are there's some amazing driving that was going on you know and it's it's not just driving it's you know it's it's building the right cars and taking the time and rock crawling's like other racing you've got to know what you're doing and you know how many times did we see rich guys show up buy a nice car and bring the biggest trailer and fail because yeah. you know he didn't have that time that like that a lot of these guys had so it was it's rock crawling is it's an amazing sport it really is and in it's kind of like golf in this aspect like if you play golf you can watch golf and you're like that's cool and rock crawling is a little bit like that except you add horsepower into it so you know, the, the clips of the big climbs and stuff are awesome. People get that, but the magic is in dodging the cone and three tire ruling and, you know, knowing, knowing the, knowing the sport. So. Yeah. And it's, it, it really does come down to strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, A great example of that was Jeff McKinley who was running around with, uh, with Kevin Carroll and they were doing, you know, breaking all these big trails and, you know, fearless, you know, they, they knew what it took to get get through an obstacle without cones. And yeah. then they came out to compete with cones. Yeah. And they were both in these big red dot cars that barely fit because they're in the 90-inch wheelbase with, yeah. you know, our cones are set at 101. And they started hitting the cones. And Kevin was like, well, you need to widen the cones. And I said, why? To give Tracy and and Jesse more room to you know, they could drive, you know, make U-turns in between the cones. And he goes, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, Jeff went the other way and said, okay, I'm going to build a car that fits. Yeah. You know, that that's a comp car. And he did that and he started winning and then he built a second car, comp car. And last year he won enough of the events to where he ended up being the national champion 
because he won like all three events. He understood the strategy then. But the first year, neither him or Ke- Kevin, they'd come out and, you know, they were told the classic line, well, if you hit a bonus cone, it washes. So always go for yeah. the bonuses because if you hit one of the cones, it washes. Yeah. Well, he got on one of the obstacles, he got 40'd out. And he goes, but I, those cones I hit were bonus cones, so they wash. And mm-hmm. I said, only when you finish the course. Mm-hmm. And he, because he didn't understand the strategy. Yeah. You know, and uh, it bit him that time. You know, I, I'm sure that some of the guys were sitting there laughing about it behind his back. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think some of the real game changers in, in rock sports, um, you know, some real iconic cars, you know, that, that came out, you know, when, when Nelson built Tiny, and I remember in Farmington when it showed up, and just walking around it like, you know, it did look like it went to the moon. I mean, that's why it's called the moon buggy. I mean, it was just, it was so out of the box thinking, you know, with the Volkswagen engine and and rear mounted and all that stuff and and watching it with, you know, I think they're one of some of the first guys that added weight to the front tires, you know? How do you keep the front down? Well, you know, they're full of lead shot, you know? <laughs> It was just amazing to to see the progression that happened in the cars in the in that early time. You know, like some of the guys, like uh, you know Mike and Mark Patey built that six wheeler that they were going to run, but then you know, hey, well, let's have a rule. There's only four tires. You know, you know the rules changed quickly. You know, I'm seeing that in in the new sport right now in in the in the aviation stole stuff right now. There things are changing quickly. Uh, you did that event with, uh, with Doug down there and rock crawling was, it was really such a cool place to be at that time. And, you know, I met all kinds of people from around the, around the country, you know, one week you're in, you know, you're in Congress and it's 105 degrees and, and the next, uh, in Congress, uh, California, or what was that? Cougar Buttes. Cougar Buttes Cougar was Buttes. like, yeah. 8 zillion degrees and we were in refrigerated trailers and, you know, just trying not to die. And then you go to Jellicoe, Tennessee, where, you know, there's 500 people and 473 big teeth, but you meet some really cool people. So you want to hear a fun story? Yes. All right. Here's a fun story. So, so a little background. So I'm a Mormon. Okay. You know, I don't drink alcohol and uh, you know, I'm not the world's best Mormon, but I try. So me and me and Craig Stump, also LDS, and uh, we were back in Jellicoe, Tennessee. You know, we had to sponsor uh, Tom Tom Woods Drive Lines, and Tom Woods asked Craig to find some moonshine. So we went, well, I, you know, get a sponsor. I mean, I guess you know, take care of your sponsor. He takes care of us. So we were we were there, and it was this huge event. I mean, there were so many people there. And I think it was a U-Rock event at the time. And it was one of the first East Coast, you know, there was an East and a West. And we were there and, you know, we had these, we had these team jerseys on, you know, and I was in a, an extra large, which uh, did not look good. Really. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, Max just only made jerseys for bike riders, not, uh, not spotters, you know. And, uh, you know, we had the tents and with Brad Williams there and we had, we were pimping Maxis and throwing out shirts and having a great time. And then we found out we needed to find some moonshine. So I asked, I asked the guy, you know, like, Hey, we need to find some moonshine. And everyone just like walks away. 
like nobody's willing to ad admit about moonshine. Well, it takes a few minutes, one guy and another guy and another, well, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And I didn't know anything about moonshine. I didn't know what, you know, apple pie or peach cobbler or any of those <laughs> moonshine things were. You know, all I knew was the Duke boys. You know, I know the Duke boys get caught with moonshine. They go to jail, right? <laughs> That's all I knew about moonshine. It's all from Dukes of Hazard. So we're, we talked to this guy and he's like, you know, how much do we own? He's look, I want one of those, I want one of those jerseys you have. Like, Man, I don't know. Those are pretty expensive way to pilot them. Those are, I don't know. Those are, those are pretty pricey. We can't just really give those things away. And he's like, well, you know, I mean, that's really what we need. All right. So we, you know, uh, we said, look, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do that. So we met him. We made, we were going to go meet him down this road, down this hill and up a Creek and by the side of the highway and like some kind of setup to get killed, you know? And, uh, you know, we, we got the Jeep back in, in the trailer and it was me and Craig and Mikey. And, and we were, we go to meet this guy at the end of the event and it's dark 30 by the time we get out of there. Events used to go really long. Cause there's so many competitors and we pull off and go down. The guy like didn't have a phone and we had to flash the lights and, and uh, we didn't know if we we're going to get arrested or shot or robbed or what, but you know, the guy comes out, we meet up. He loved that Jersey. It was the greatest thing. And I think it's the, the cheapest uh, 12 quarts of shine anyone ever got. So, <laughs> 12 and, uh, quarts for a Jersey. 12 quarts. Yeah. We brought those all the way back to Utah. So you transported. Yes. Un, unstamped. Unstamped. Illegal, illegal liquor. Yeah. Crossed a whole bunch of lines. Oh yeah. 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 Like three Mormon guys in a, tr in a truck with a whole bunch with a trunk full of illegal moonshine, you know, also we could get Tom Woods drive lines cause they were the best. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. a great story. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun. You know, I had another time I brought a guy to help me at an event. I found out he brought weed. I fired him and left him in the Carolinas. But back then, I mean, it could have taken my whole business away from me. So Absolutely. It wasn't cool. It wasn't cool but. We, were, we were in Baja, Shelly and I, yeah. mm -hmm. and we'd stayed at Bob Rogie and his wife Paula's house in Gonzaga Bay. Yeah. And there was a guy there that uh, we called, we nicknamed him Spicoli. Yeah. After, you know, the, the character in the movie yeah. and total stoner mm -hmm. wore like shorts, um, some flip flops and a tank top and carried a backpack. That's Did he like, look like Nippy, one of Robbie Flandro's friends. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we go out, we're going to get to Coco's corner to pit. Yeah. And he goes, can I get a ride? And I said, yes. And he grabs his backpack and he starts to get into the Jeep. And I said, but I can't have you bring any weed with you. Yeah. And he goes, oh, dude, you're killing me, dude. And I'm like, no, you can't bring any weed. There are at least, there's at least one checkpoint, military yeah. checkpoint between here and Coco's Corner. Yeah. And if we get stopped and they find the weed, we all go to jail. Yeah. I said, get the weed out. So he got the weed out of his backpack and he gave it to somebody else that was staying there at the campground. And I said, all right, now you can get in the Jeep. 
So we got in the Jeep, we got out there, got out to Coco's and we're standing around after about three hours. And he comes up to me and he goes, dude, you're killing me, man. I'm like, I'm like, I really need a joint right now. You know, and it was just, and I'm thinking, dude, it's been three hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. One of the things that I liked being the Maxis guy was helping. Uh, I tried to help everybody. You know, I had my tools and the welder. Um, and, you know, we, I remember one time we, there's this guy in back east that had this, uh, who's really dedicated to uh, those green and yellow tractors. So he had his rock crawler, green and yellow, and we went through like four different axles and eventually ran out of axles for his Dana 44 front end. And so we welded two axles together, an end and then the other, and we cut it and we welded that axle. And I guess he ran it for like two more years. But I really, it was fun helping guys. You know, I can't, I can't mention or remember how many people crashed inside the Maxis Marriott. It was, uh, you know, so many guys slept in there. I don't know if you slept in there, but. Um, I slept in there during a KOH. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. KOH. That's when I was supposed to get a motorhome. I had it all set up and then uh, things didn't happen financially. Some money was supposed to come in. It didn't come in. So I had to, I, and it was down there. One of those, the, the ones where it almost snowed and it was yeah. super cold and windy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aaron Campbell was with me on that trip. Oh, he doesn't have enough socks, that boy. <laughs> he doesn't Aaron have enough. Was... He didn't have enough clothes at all. Oh, but... man, his feet. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> oh, In fact, it was so cold. And then uh, Bo Nice showed up with his big class A motorhome, you know, yeah. and he goes, he goes, well, where are you staying, Rich? And I said, I'm staying in the back of the Maxis trailer, and I'm freezing my ass off. And he goes, he goes, well, why don't you move in with me? And I said, okay, great. So I grabbed all my stuff, and I didn't tell Aaron where I went. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. So were you in the you were staying in the front or in the back in the upper level in the penthouse suite? I don't remember where I was at. I just know I was in the trailer, and it was only, I was only there one night, and it was mm. cold as hell. I went and stayed in Bonice's uh, Class A motorhome. But you had, like, the crew, guys that were down there crewing for you were all in the cab. I know that I think Aaron ended up staying in that, in the trailer the rest of the weekend, which I'm sorry, or the week, and I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Love Aaron, but, man, he's, that that boy. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. His socks, he'd take them off. It was like, just leave your shoes on, man. (laughs) (laughs) well yeah you know i went there that king of the hammers the very first one well not the first one the first year it was just you know 12 guys or whatever but that second year when it was an an event they wanted me to sing the national anthem because i sang the national anthem a lot of events just because i didn't like hearing it recorded as much i think somebody should sing it and i was willing to do it and it was an honor i was at the tour of california bike tour I took a day off to run from San Luis Obispo down to do King of Hammer, singing the National Anthem and there for the race. And I drove back to the next stop, which was somewhere else. But that uh, yeah, was cool. I got to be there. So it's awesome. really weird to have not been at King of the Hammers, you know, these last two years. So it's, but man, it's so big. 
it's such a huge event. So, you know, it's, it's gotten, I, I don't want to say it's too big, but it's lost. It's lost its flavor that it had for so many years, you know, yeah. where you got to see everybody, you got to hang out with people that were like-minded. There's so many things that are going on now in a week down there. This last year, we, we showed up on Tuesday and left Friday morning. Yeah. You know, and stay out at Cody Wagner's, you know, laser town mm-hmm. and just handing out the magazine. I don't even, yeah. I don't participate anymore and help. Dave's got enough staff to do all that. that he sh- certainly doesn't need this old man doing anything. The last time I went, I was uh, uh tire czar, tire Nazi. You know, because I was no, I wasn't with a tire company at the time, and I hadn't been with Max's, and uh, hadn't done. You know, I was completely independent at that point, and so I, you know, I know where all the bodies are buried. You know, if you want to build a set of cheater tires, I, I'm probably figure it out. So I went and tested all the tires and made a spreadsheet and you know sent it to Dave and uh, you know that whole tire rule there was frustrating because. I think the day Dave wrote the rules wrong. So and I told him how to write them. Remember we had that meeting down there in Moab. I'm like, write the rules like this intended yep. for highway use. And he didn't, he wrote DOT. And it's like, ah, oh, you can put a DOT stamp on anything. So, I mean, the Maxis right. sticky trepidors are DOT approved because it changes the import, you know, tire rules are, I'm kind of a stickler on it. You know, it's really, it's, it's not impossible. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's kind of easy for a company to cheat tire rules. You know, you can make, take a DOT mold and you can make a sticky rubber and put in it. Lots of companies have done it. You know, I would get every once in a while a new engineer, Maxis, that would just say, well, we could do that. And I'm like, yeah, we could, but we don't and we won't. You know, I wouldn't stand for it and we didn't need to. We were winning ProLite and stuff with it. And, you know, we're trying to stay legal. And, and that's one thing that, that Maxis, the entire time I was there, we didn't cheat. We didn't cheat. We played by the rules. You know, I was, uh, people really thought I was a real asshole at times because I knew when guys were cheating. So I remember one time a uh, T tire company built a special tire for one driver and he pulls out onto the, he was getting his butt kicked by us every, every race. He pulls out on the track. I knew they were different. Before he even did the first lap, I walked over to their trailer, and there was a girl there, Gina, and I said, you know, what's the deal? She ran in hot and hid. You know, and unfortunately, the series was sponsored by that tire company, and they were just allowed to cheat for quite a while. So, and, and that's some of the, the dirtiness that exists in racing is, unfortunately, if you sponsor the series, you're allowed to cheat. Well, with a lot of series. I'd like yeah. The one thing that I've always done with our marketing partners is I don't care if you're a marketing partner and you're a competitor or if you're the the new guy that shows up, you know, and never rock crawled before, I'm going to treat you mm-hmm. the same way. Yeah. You and know, even I, though, even though Maxis was a sponsor of, you know, at the time we sponsored, you know, all the rock, well, we sponsored you rock and we rock uh, until you rock um, folded, but you know, we never asked you to do any cheat to allow us to do any cheating. And we never asked for any, any preference. You know, that's really all you've got is your integrity in the end. You know, there are other series that 
You know, I've had some real battles with those guys at Lucas Oil in short course. They would just, you know, at one point I actually, you know, we threatened me and pretty much all the other tire guys except for one company that was doing the cheating. They, um, they were also the title sponsor of the event and they were cheating and we, everybody knew it. And when they were finally got caught and we said, look, you guys need to fix this for next time we're leaving. And I vowed we would leave. And we were the only company that packed up in the middle of the race and left. We drove out in the middle of the race. Doesn't make you any friends with the series, but you got to make a stand at a certain point. Um, so, but absolutely. That's, that's not my favorite company, but, um, <laughs> but there's some other companies that, that I have a lot of respect for, like BF Goodrich, you know, BF Goodrich, those guys, you know, I'd show up most races. I was the, tire analysis guy, tire groover, picker outer guy, make sure the guys have lunch guy set up to, you know, you know, they, we'd bust our butt and we went out there to win. You know, we had guys that came from rock crawling sports to short course, like Marty Hart. You know, we, we just, we wanted to win and do the best we could. We're, and we were a small crew and BF Goodrich had a lot more guys, you know, engineers and marketing people and all that kind of stuff and a big crew and sometimes two trucks and all that all that and it was sure was fun to kick their butt so <laughs> that was you know when we would clean a podium we did a we did one event you know and marty was part of it who came from rock sports and you know we were like cleaning the podium in pro light and pro two and pro four and we were it was really great you know those were you know there's no bonus because of that except you know hey you know the that orange wannabe tire company's kicking some ass that was that was pretty cool so, um, but it's, you know, it's, it takes a lot of dedication to do that. So when, when I wrote the three classes, the rules for the three classes, cause I was the first organizer to put out three classes Yeah, and we did unlimited pro mod and stock, mod stock. Yeah. and I said 35, 37 and forties, right. Cause that's yeah. what the, the range of tires were. It was all by sidewall designation. At yeah. first I did it, you know, well, it's got to fit within this 35 inch or 37 mm-hmm. inch. So guys would show up with, you know, burned off tires that were, you know, or undersized tires like Interco. You know, yeah. they'd say it's a 44, but it would measure 37. You right. know, so, yeah. but I went by t- sidewall designation. Yeah. And I remember Jeff Cummings asking me, going, well, why are you doing it that way? Why aren't you measuring it? And I said, well, because it's easier if I just look at it than to walk away and, you know, have to have this tool that I got to use every single time. And then I got to go check again to make sure that that, that, you know, while you're on course or after course, I said, if I just go by sidewall designation, then, you know, I could look and say, okay, it still says 37. It still says 37 or 35, whatever. And he goes, well, what keeps me from making a 40-inch tire and putting 37 on it? Mm-hmm. And I said, because I'm going to measure it. And if you mark a tire at 40 and it's actually a 37, I'm going to call you a cheater. Yeah. I said, so don't do it. I still have my measuring tool. Don't yeah. do it. And yeah. he was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they they never <laughs> cheated, but he he was throwing it out there like, you know, somebody might. Yeah. Well, that's why I still have that measuring tool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was uh, when I switched to Maxis, Jeff Cummings. Well, I think it was Jack. Jack was not happy with me. And Jack uh, was Goodyear. Yeah. Yeah, Goodyear. But it, for a while, he was BF Goodrich. So yeah, I think Jack didn't like it when I left to BF Goodrich. And then Jeff didn't like it when I went to Maxis. But then after a few years being the Maxis guy, you know, I could really, you know, gain the respect for what those guys have done. You know, the, the Frank D'Angelo's and, and, um, you know, have been in off-road sports forever. And you really, when you look at BF Goodrich, you really see their domination of Baja. Where I think when you look at, at Maxis, you see rock sports is, is the Baja of, of Maxis, you know. You know, right. BF Goodrich was, was born in Baja, and we're really, you know, we're born in, you know, Jellico and, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, Goldendale and all those places. You know, we're, you know, Maxis, we're really, that's where we made our, our stand at that point. And we did some other stuff, you know, then we started doing short course and we did drift and all that stuff because, you know, they had to keep me busy. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the Maxis, the Maxis do excel at, at longevity. You know, they, they hold up. They hold up better, but that's why that's one of the things that that helps them outperform the other tire companies. And I'm not just talking about BFG, but because yeah. that sidewall is so stiff, they can get away with a with a 17 inch rim mm-hmm. on a 42 inch tire. Give that sidewall and a bigger footprint, mm-hmm. and still be able to, you know, to perform. Yeah, you usually like a bigger rim. You can usually wear, you know, eventually you wear out the tread on a Maxis where on some of the others you wear through the sidewall before you wear out the tread. So, yeah. but, you know. Well, let's, yeah. let's talk well, about one, one, one legal okay. disclaimer is that, uh, you know, as of last year, I actually got sponsored by Michelin for my airplane racing. So, you know, I have very to good, but, <laughs> but. Unfortunately, they don't make a tire that fits. <laughs> so we're working on that. <laughs> so. so let's talk about your newest endeavor, Griplock. How did uh, how did that all come about? So uh, Griplock ties came about because you know I was a racer that did tires, and so I tried to keep doing some racing. I did I did some of the the XRA type events. I was still the Maxis guy. And um, then I did some short course stuff. I rented a buggy from uh, Mike Van and Hoogle and uh, ran for almost two full seasons. Loved it. But I got injured at an event. I was, I pulled this thumb off. I got caught in the steering wheel when I got hit by in the, uh, in the gravel pit at Crandon. You know, when, when I told Brad Williams about that and I got hurt and I had one driver kind of, uh, you know, I missed getting one tire ready one time and he, complained and so brad said i couldn't race anymore and i thought well can't tell me i can't race airplanes so so i started racing airplanes instead because i can't tell me i can't do that and so i started you know take my airplane hobby into racing and you know we've raced around the world with it but i was working on my airplane one time and i was fixing running some wires along the engine mount and we've all seen where like a regular zip tie you know like a regular zip tie that's smooth it just slides on stuff, right? And it'll cut through the wires on a uh, on an engine mount. It'll actually cut through the paint, and then it moves, and it scratches the paint, and then the paint wears off, and eventually it's in there jag- 
jiggling. It'll actually cut through the steel on an engine mount on an airplane. And it's not 120 wall like you have on a race car. It's 035, you know, 58035. It's thin. So I wanted to, I was padding the wires. And one day I was, I ran out of the color that I wanted of electrical tape that I was padding it with, some orange electrical tape on my orange airplane with the orange engine mount. So I went over to Lowe's and I needed some orange tape. And I'm like, boy, we don't have orange tape here. We have blue tape. You know, <laughs> that's the other place has orange tape. And I said, well, just give me the rubber line zip ties. And uh, they're like, yeah, there were zip ties, but they weren't. Nobody had, nobody had a zip tie with the rubber lining on it um, that pads the wire. So this, this creates a place for the wires to kind of sit in. It cushions it. And so I, I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was thinking about it. And uh, how do you stick rubber to nylon? I kind of figured that out in the tire business, trying to, uh, especially with high heat and different things. So I understood some of that chemistry. And I built my first prototypes here in my shop with a Dremel tool and a zip tie and a little tube of RTV. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Then I realized that that didn't work because it didn't slide through. You know, we've got these little patented grooves in here, so the rubber slides through it. I came up with grip lock ties and, and I told a few guys about it, like Adrian Chenny was going to help me fund it. And then I was talking to my rock crawling buddies, Mark and, and Mike Patey, who had bought you rock um, from Craig. And, um, you know, Ranch got involved. And at the time when I came up with this, Ranch was working for Mike and Mark with their company, Prodigy Engineering. And they got started that company building electric vehicles because they built a six-wheeled rock crawler. They weren't able to run in U-Rock, so they bought the series. Eventually, those guys were into airplanes. I was into airplanes, and so I was, I was buddies with them. And it was uh, we were at Oshkosh at the big air show one time, and it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and we were sitting around, and I had the Maxxis truck there and camping with the family. And I was getting kind of tired with the Maxxis thing at the time because I was never home. They're like, what are you going to do? I said, well, I got this idea to put this rubber lining on a zip tie so it doesn't move. And I had that. Remember the Razor I had? What is it? Uh, Yamaha. The Rhino. The Rhino, yeah. The one that Pistol Pete built me yeah. and loaned me. And I said, look, it'll go right here and it won't move around. And they're like, and Mark's like, that's brilliant. I want in. How much can I own? We stayed up till 3 o'clock talking about it and with Mike and Mark and in the motorhome and that Tuesday, I went and met with, with Mike, Mark, and Ranch, and, and uh, their prodigy, and we did a deal to partner up with Griplock Ties. And, you know, I had to learn a lot about injection molding, and, and I've been business partners with, and friends with those guys and friends for years and partners for a shorter time. And um, when I left Maxis, I was uh, unemployed for about two hours before I started working with Mark to develop uh, Best Tugs and working there. And it really all comes back to, you know, it really comes back to just, you know, this Jeep, you know, we bought this Jeep, you know, and then, you know, I started rock crawling with friends like Brett Davis here. This is after my first rollover in St. George. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we built, uh, you know, rock crawling has just been, it, it put me where, where I am. Look, here's, here's me with BF Goodrich tires on it. So, yeah, I saw that when you held that up earlier, I was like, yeah. BFGs. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so you know, building uh, grip lock ties is it's uh, it was much harder than I thought. The mechanics of building a mold that'll build little things like this, it's difficult. You know, we've been working on this mold for quite a while, and I just got some of the first first run prototypes on it, and you know, it's a lot harder to make this one than this big one. But 
you know, grip lock ties have really, you know, this is our logo right there, grip lock ties. You know, you can buy them on griplockties.com. So, and we're also on Amazon and, and some of our other retailers. And, you know, we're in McKenzie's and we're in um, a bunch of off-road places. So that's how I came up with grip lock ties. And, and it's been fun because I've been able to, you know, sponsor some guys, you know, sponsor by giving them some grip lock ties. You know, it's economically building a business like this is very capital intensive. But, uh, you know, I'm still working from my house and, you know, but, hey, you know, we're taking up a couple of storage units worth of space and we're, you know, we've gotten into, you know, nearly 500 new retail stores in the last uh, six months and uh, continuing to grow. And, you know, I really started promoting grip lock ties through racing and the three here's like our little card. So, you know, here's, here's a guy, um, Chad Rayford. He used to, uh, you know, help drive my truck and groove tires and we sponsor him and there's my airplane there, but it's a racing company. You know, that's what we do. You know, we build stuff for race cars. Like Jeremy McGrath was one of the first guys to ever run a grip lock tie on his car. He had this piece of roll bar padding, on his a pillar and since he would shift with his left hand his knuckle would move that piece of roll bar padding he had a bunch of zip ties on it and it would still move and so i put one of my prototype grip lock ties on it we had a mold built one at a time and it kept it secured for the rest of the season i thought man we really got something here so yeah that was a few years ago but we're growing so you know how it is rich i mean building a business is difficult you know and it, you know i hope to be one of those rich guys that people uh uh, blaspheme someday, but uh, <laughs> it's not that yet. So just keep hustling, just keep working. You know, your your podcast here, you know, I appreciate you being able to you know, plug my little company. So grip lock ties because we just tried to make something better. Excellent. Just like you tried to make rock crawling better by having events that were fun to do. Like Josh England was a guy that I can't believe that there are guys that good out there on the planet. You know, because Josh would so dedicated to helping everybody out. You know, I remember showing up to an event somewhere in, in Georgia, up on that hilltop where the tornado came through. Yep. And um, showing up and, you know, man, I've been driving. And Josh like, here, let me do all this stuff for you. I was like, holy crap, Josh, you know, I can't make you do all that. So we rock. They just you really took care of us as sponsors. And because we were more just sponsors, I mean, we're lifelong friends, you know see each other eye to eye on everything. I try to do that with our marketing partners. That's why I don't like the term sponsor because it is yeah. a partnership. It's, it's a, mm -hmm. it truly is a marriage, you know, yeah. to, to make the whole thing work for everybody, whether it's the drivers, the, the part the marketing partner, ourselves, the spectators, everybody has to be able to, to work together to make it, to make it all work. That's why I, I, I absolutely, I despise the term sponsor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get, I get sponsor requests all the time. You know, do you guys sponsor? And I said, well, you know, for us, it's, you know, the thing that's important for me with my small company is that I sell product. I have to sell product to feed my kids. Right. And it's, and it's that literal, you know, I have to sell product to, to feed my kids. And, you know, when I tell that to guys, they get it, that, that sponsorship is not, you know, it's, if you race, you're not entitled to anything. 
You know, and so many people think that they're entitled. Well, I race this and that. And I'm going to put my sticker on your, on my car. So it doesn't matter, man. Are you going to help me feed my kids by selling product? That's right. So I have a deal with, with guys like, look, if you'll help me sell it and it's easier to do now than in the past, because if they come to the store and they use your offer code, then I'll pay you a commission. And that's the best thing I can do, you know, because the more you'll push, the more, the more product I sell, the more you sell, the more you get. So, and I've got some guys that are fantastic at it, you know, that they, they may, maybe they, they don't win, but they are helping me support. I can help support them if they help support sales. So, right. And that's what I, that, that's what I term influencer. That's another yeah. term. That's another term I can't stand is influencer. <laughs> yeah. Because an influencer to me is somebody that actually helps you sell product mm-hmm. and has or has the background or the technology or the education to talk about the product beyond the oh hey, look at how pretty it is. Yeah. Or look, it's on my it's on my rig. You know, yeah. it's that to me is not influencing anybody. Mm-hmm. It's uh I, I, that's another one of those terms, sponsor, sponsor and influencer. Yeah. Well, they also call it like now affiliate marketing. I like like affiliate marketing. I like, I like the term affiliate marketing because I can send I can send, you know, display product to sales guys and they get a commission. That's great. I will also, you know, I can send you some product to run your race car and I will give you commission. You help me sell it, then I, I send you a check. And the guys that get that are getting more product. So I'm seeing that in, in, you know, I've been more involved in like the aviation racing lately than I have been in car racing. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing more and more of that type of stuff. Um, right. You know, I've got one guy that, um, you know, includes a grip lock ties thing in his YouTube videos that he does. You know, I just wrote him a check for a thousand bucks for last month. You know, that's, that's cool. You know, that means he's, he's helped me sell a bunch of product. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, well, or like Mike Pavey, who's, who's my business partner. So I don't pay him commission, but he's been building crazy airplanes and he's getting, you know, 140,000 views in, in a day on his crazy airplane builds. And when he mentioned grip lock ties, I mean, it took me days just to fill the orders. It is important that guys provide good content. And I think it's, if you want to race and get free stuff, I don't think that's going to happen as much anymore. I think you've got to actually drive the sales because it's easier for people to keep track of it. And nowadays to drive the sales. Um, But one thing that I've told guys through the years is wanting sponsorship. I said, look, man, getting sponsored is the crappiest job you'll ever have. It is the lowest pay for the most work that you will ever do because guys are like, well, I got, you know, I got, you know, a set of $1,200 worth of tires, but now I have to go do 10 different events. Well, that's the deal you made, you know? So you got to show up and do it. So yeah. I remember one time there was, uh, I think it was rock, uh, um, super crawl two or something or super crawl one or something. And I've done all this work on my Jeep. I, that year I broke like everything. I changed the transmission and I went down there and 
we're in Farmington and I broke and I changed front drive shaft and rear drive shaft and axles and tore out the rear end and rebuilt, you know, put new gear set in the rear end. And my dad about everything was like, why are you doing this? And I said, well, cause I have sponsors and I have to do it because I committed to it. So, you know, to anybody out there that wants a sponsor, well, you're probably better off to go to McDonald's and pick up a few shifts and buy your, buy your own air shocks or your own, your own tires or something. Cause otherwise you just signed yourself up to as an indentured servant. Uh, I did deals like that with guys and that was my job, you know, get guys to run events. And if some guy's getting more money than you, it's, it's, it's probably cause he's better. You know, know, don't feel like you're, you're beef because, you know, Tracy Jordan got more money from BF Goodrich than you did. Well, Tracy Jordan's awesome. You know, like maybe you're not, no offense. (laughs) You know, that's the reason I got cut from BF Goodrich because I wasn't that good. So, you know, guys like Maxis would pick me up. Well, they wouldn't pick me up a couple of years later because I wasn't good enough because they build a good product. So. It's just an expensive hobby. It really is. It is. So, and that's how I do my airplane racing too. You know, I have some sponsors in airplane racing, but I really don't because I got the point. I just put my logos on it because, and I'd rather just buy the stuff. So, so well, but you understood it. Yeah. You know, you understand the game because it mm-hmm. is a game. You know, it's it's a business. It's a game. It's, you know, what you can provide that, that return on investment ROI that everybody talks about, you know, yeah. you did it with the carpet, the carpet guys that you started mm-hmm. off with, yeah. you know, you, you built that affiliate marketing back there when, when nobody yeah. knew what affiliate marketing was. Mm-hmm. You know, and now with our bed and breakfast or our hotel, you know, we're set up to where if somebody goes through us to become an Airbnb host, we uh-huh. get we get a check. Yeah. And so Shelly actively, not actively pursues people, but puts it out there. Hey, if you're ever interested in, let me help you become an Airbnb host. Yeah. You know, cause she's good at it. She, that's what she's done. Yeah. But she's been good for me anyway. So that's uh, that's, a, that's another story, but yeah. Creighton, is there anything else that you want to touch on? Think you got it all or. I think we, I think we got it all. I mean, I don't know if I uh, have any other great stories. I mean, I got, I learned how I can train, change a trailer tire in eight minutes on my big, on my big Max's truck. That's amazing. We got pretty good at that. You know, man, we did a lot of miles, but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. You know, the biggest thing I got out of being Mr. Max's for 12 years was the friendships. It really was, you know, guys like you and Jesse Haynes and, you know, Francisco and, you know, Arturo and Robbie and Carl Whitmore and just great, great people, you know, Jason yep. Jordan and cool people. The one thing that, you know, if I could end on one thing is the thing about racing is it makes you a better man or woman, but America is built on the, the spirit of racing to do something better to be a little bit faster, to maybe to make do with a few less dollars so you can still go out and compete and be the best you can be and not giving up. That's what racing is about to me. And that's why racing people are 
different because I think they're better. I agree. So. That's a great place to leave it. Creighton, mm-hmm. thank you for your time. Yeah. You and, uh, good luck with grip lock ties and say hello yeah. to say hello to everybody up there in the Salt Lake area. You see. And, you uh, so, so here's the thing, big rich. Yeah. So if they go to griplockties.com, Okay. And they order it and I'll give them free shipping. And if you, they use the code big rich, I'll send you your affiliate marketing check too. There you go. Okay, yeah. everybody, you need zip, you need don't go buy a regular zip tie. They're not they're they're crap. Get grip locks because they're gonna save your your body panels, they're gonna save your wiring. Um, they're reusable. Mm-hmm. Go to go go to griploctides.com, talk to get Creighton ordered, and remember the code is big rich. Yep. All right. Creighton, thank yeah, you buddy. very much. My pleasure. I'm gonna make sure I edit enter that into the shopping thing right now. All right. There you go. All Thanks, right. Big Rich. See All you, right. Thank you. Yeah. If you enjoy these podcasts, please give us a rating, share some feedback with us via Facebook or Instagram and share our link among your friends who might be like-minded. Well, that brings this episode to an end. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week with conversations with Big Rich. Thank you very much.